Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Can you hear me, Dan? Good morning, I can. Great, great. Um, well, welcome everyone to our convocation on public health um, in the midst of the ongoing pandemic. So as you probably know, I'm um, President Becky Stoltzfus, and I'm pleased to be co-hosting this convocation with Katja Norton. Why don't you give a wave, Katja? Hi. <laughs> a senior nursing student here at Goshen College who's one of the four student members of our pandemic task force. And just a reminder that three of you will be selected to receive a $20 gift certificate to the Soapy Gnome in downtown Goshen, which has an excellent selection of face masks as well as soap. So you can address two of our big four masks and hand washing in just one shopping outing. So two winners will be drawn from the Zoom participant list and one from those watching live from the fellowship hall. Um, as you can see, we have a couple of guests with us this morning, both local medical doctors, and they're here to respond to your questions. So this is gonna be an interactive session. After I introduce our guests, Katya will begin by asking each guest two questions. Um, and after that, we wanna to turn to your questions. So at any time, you may type your questions into the Q&A box at the bottom of your screen. Please use the Q&A box rather than the chat box. I'll be monitoring your questions and we'll get to as many as we can before we end around 10.30 a.m. And now it is my pleasure to introduce our guest panelists. Dr. Rose Gillen, there with the leafy green background, is a family physician in her private medical micro practice where she incorporates functional medicine principles into her work. Dr. Gillen grew up in Puerto Rico. She graduated from Goshen College in 1981 and served on the Goshen College Board of Directors for 12 years. Welcome, Rose. Thank you, it's good to be here. And Dr. Dan Nofziger, our other guest is a practicing infectious disease physician and Goshen Hospital's chief medical officer. And he also attended Goshen College from 1979 to 1981. Welcome, Dan. Thank you. So Katya, over to you. All right, wonderful. Good morning to everyone here. Um, Dan, I will ask you one of the first questions. So, all right. Uh, what has it been like for Goshen Health? How did the hospital prepare for this pandemic? Uh, how normal or different from normal are the things in the hospital now? So obviously anything I say will be a bit of a oversimplification in terms of what it's been like for Goshen Health because that question really um, is asking what it's been like for 1800 different people. But as an organization, I would say that this is probably the greatest challenge that we have had to face. I'm guessing in the last 100 years um, certainly, in my career as an infectious disease physician, I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like it. And I'm just going to share my screen if I can successfully uh, host disabled participant screen sharing. So I need my host to come through. Um, but what I was going to do is give you a visual about um, how different it is for um, different places and different times. So this just has the statewide epidemic curve in terms of cases and compares it to Elkhart counties. So we have had kind of a slower um, arrival of this pandemic than the state did as a whole. But those cases 
then translate into a curve like this, which shows the number of uh, patients we've had in the hospital with COVID-19 over time. And one of the things that's stunning to me is like, this is now, you know, kind of a 200 day graph. It's amazing how uh, this is uh, stretched out from uh, the initial days of planning to a much uh, longer process. But um, it's very different taking care of 29 patients in the hospital with this disease than those early days of just having uh, two or three folks in the hospital. We really started um, planning back in February when it became obvious to me that the virus had escaped from China and was likely to continue to spread worldwide. And really it was a whole health system um, planning effort from senior leadership down to people at the front line taking care of patients. In terms of how normal or not normal things are, I, I would say we are not yet at a new normal as a health hospital or health system. Um, we have transitioned through these kind of crazy stages where some of us were as busy as we've ever been and other people were basically um, suddenly unemployed because their area shut down. The health system did commit to um, at least supporting people at half salary, even if they um, didn't have work to do. Um, that process has now gone away and we're, we're much more in normal operational um, status, but there is still a lot of um, uh, moral injury and anxiety and um, daily changing of how we operate uh, in response to this uh, pandemic. Well, thank you, Dan. Um, Rose, I have a question for you. Um, your practice is different from Dan's, and I know uh, you have not been treating COVID patients, um, but this pandemic has affected all parts of our lives. Uh, how has your work been affected by the pandemic? And what are you observing and learning about the effects of the, of the pandemic from the people that you provide care to? Yeah, well, initially what I noticed is all of a sudden I'm not getting any phone calls or appointments and nobody was needing to be seen or wanting to be seen. Everybody was so frightened. So things got really, really slow there for a while. And then I started getting a lot of phone calls with a lot of stress, confusion, frustration, people trying to understand what to do in this process. Um, I then started doing some telehealth. So I've been doing more of that than I used to. So just some of the transitions have been in the logistics of the day-to-day -day activities. I also had a terribly hard time trying to find personal protective equipment. I had a few mask in my office. I don't use them regularly under normal circumstances, but to try to get a, a bigger supply was almost impossible for several weeks. Gloves, sanitizing equipment, all of that was really hard to come by, stressful. And then the prices were sky high available. So um, it was interesting to see those things happening. I've also had several um, Maybe I'll just say mild conflicts with patients who are, don't believe in wearing masks and we're asking for people to wear masks in the office. So having to have longer conversations about why they need to wear them in the office and understanding that people disagree. But it just takes a lot of extra time to figure those little details out. 
In terms of the effects of on the population that I serve, there has been so much stress and so much confusion, and it doesn't help when we get mixed messages in the media and when um, employers don't follow the guidelines and people feel pulled back and forth, not knowing exactly what to do when I'm recommending they isolate and their employer is saying, no, you can come back right now. So that part's kind of stressful. For them. And, and also the idea that if I can't work for 10 days or 14 days and have no income, how does that affect my being able to provide for my family? So a lot of people have gone through that also. So all around, a lot of stress, a lot of frustration, a lot of confusion. Um, but overall, people have been very cooperative and very interested in learning and wanting to do the right thing. Okay, wonderful. Thank you, Rose. Um, I have one more question for Dan. Um, what can you share with us on promising treatments or vaccines for COVID? Yeah, so I'm gonna share my screen again, um, really more as an example than to use this as uh, information for you, but you can go out to the internet and find tables like this for uh, medications that are being studied for COVID-19. Um, basically, this is just a, you know, the first 10 out of uh, uh, 42 entries for clinical trials for drugs. And similarly, um, for vaccines, there are probably uh, close to 200 vaccines that are being developed. Um, only three of those are in phase three trials, the last stage of trials in the United States. Um, but there are lots of things that are being developed to try to address this. But unfortunately, we really just have two treatments at this time that I would consider um, that have demonstrated effectiveness. That is remdesivir and antiviral and dexamethasone, a steroid. And both of those are for people that are sick enough to be in the hospital and require oxygen. So they aren't things that you're gonna take uh, as soon as you test positive to keep you out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you, Dan. I have another question for Rose. Um, how would you advise us as individuals and as a community to stay well in body and spirit? while wearing masks and staying six feet apart. What health and wellness advice would you recommend to us for this time? Health and wellness are topics that could take hours to, to go over. And it seems like they're a life journey. So we learn different things and we're able to implement them in our lives, but it's a process. So I'm gonna mention several things that I think are really important, but I don't expect everybody to drop everything and start doing everything right away because I realize that's impossible. Um, there, are, there are some practical things that just make a lot of sense and that we all know these things, but it's hard to actually put them into practice. But the first one that I'll bring up is that sleep is really, really important. When we are sleep deprived, we just don't do as well. We need our sleep for restoration, regeneration, just resting our body and our brain. So ensuring that we're getting enough sleep is really, really important. We all know how we feel after pulling an all-nighter. We all know what it's like to be um, at camp or you know, just times in life when we're not getting adequate sleep and how we feel afterwards. And 
um, sleep deprivation has been associated with a lot of different diseases. So things like heart disease and dementia, um, just lowering of your immune system. So especially in college, it's important to find how to make sure that we're getting our sleep so that our body can um, keep its immune function up. Um, the second thing would be what we eat. What we eat really, really matters. Foods can be inflammatory. They can lower our immune function. And it seems like some of the most delicious things, cinnamon rolls and cookies and cakes and things, are um, full of sugar. They're refined and tend to be inflammatory. So those are things that I would suggest we keep to a minimum and really try hard to uh, eat a lot of vegetables, a lot of fruits, as much as possible to have them be whole um, whole foods and as much as possible to have a really um, a diet that's really full of fruits and vegetables. And it does not mean we can't have those fun treats, but to make sure that we are giving our body what it needs. And there, again, there's a lot of different diseases associated with refined foods and the sugars um, in our diet. So just encourage all of us to to make sure that what we eat is full of vitamins and minerals and nutrients and such. Um, the health of our gut is really important. So what we eat also um, affects that. And that's something that there's a lot of research going on now with how um, imbalance in our gut bacteria can affect the different aspects of our health. So prebiotic foods, probiotic foods are really, really um, important. Stress is one of those things that we all live with, and chronic stress has been associated with different disease states also. So finding ways to decrease stress are really important. And these are things, or stress is something that college students live with, or we all live with, but college just tends to be a highly stressful time, especially when midterm comes around and finals come around. So Finding ways to reduce stress are, is really, really important. And there's things like sleep and what we eat, exercising, breathing techniques, counseling if we need it. Um, I recently learned about tapping. And if you're interested in that, you can look up the tappingsolution.com and learn about tapping and how that helps with reducing anxiety and stress. Um, keeping a gratitude journal or, or living a life of gratitude also helps to reduce stress. And it's been studied that it really helps our health overall. Um, relationships, staying connected with each other is also really, really important. And that is challenging in the era of COVID-19. But finding ways to stay connected is important. Isolating ourselves is just not good for our health overall. Um, I, I just briefly touched on exercise earlier, but making sure that we're moving our bodies is really, really important and doing whatever we enjoy. It doesn't have to be um, a certain regimen, but just finding ways to, to move our bodies. Mm-hmm. Then in terms of community, just thinking of one another and how we can best take care of each other. Thank you so much, Rose. Um, I'll turn it over to Becky. She has a few words. Yeah, well, we have some questions coming in for you, for you both. Um, <clears throat> and I think I'll go back first to Rose about, so Goshen College is um, 
strongly, strongly recommending flu vaccines, and we're going to try to roll them out to our community as early as possible. And I believe that that the flu vaccine is 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 out now. Um, and would you just speak about why it's important to get flu vaccine this year and to get it as early as possible, Rose? <laughs> oh, there's all kinds of reasons for getting it, but. Um, I did not used to get the flu vaccine, I'll confess. And one year I got the flu and I got a really, really, really bad case of flu. I was sick for like six weeks and I thought I am never going to do this again. Um, so number one reason is just to prevent being sick and being really, really sick. And um, there's a lot of complications that can happen from the flu. It's not just a mild cold often. Mm -hmm. So just preventing it, but also if, um, helping to not be confused between is this flu, is this COVID, or even getting both at the same time. So mm -hmm. important for those reasons, also just to protect our community. If we are protected from the flu, we are protecting others around us. And I feel that's important. Mm -hmm. Thanks. So stay tuned, Goshen community, for flu announcements. It will be coming to a place near you on our campus. Um, Dan, a, a couple of questions here that I'm going to head your way. One is that um, when you when you showed the graphs of case rates, Elkhart County had a pretty distinct surge um, in June and then has been coming down. Um, and what do you attribute that to? Why do you think that case rates have been coming down? They're, they're still too high or still still community-based transition, but transmission, but we have seen some progress in Elkhart County. And what, it, what would you point to there? Well, I think the original delay in our epidemic curve may have been related to um, just the virus arriving in the community a little bit later than it did other places. But second, we were fairly aggressive in closing our um, elementary and high school um, so that there wasn't uh, as much transmission related to kids in school early on. Um, we also had factories that closed. This is obviously a big manufacturing community. And um, I think that factory closure delayed the onset of the epidemic curve, but then people went back to work. Um, I think there was a great deal of transmission in um, factories. Um, I suspect there was also a fairly widespread uh, transmission in some uh, communities like our Latino community and the Amish community. And um, we saw the decline, um, I think, occurring in part uh, timed with our uh, community mask mandate. And in part, I think it was related to employers taking the virus more seriously and people in the community um, responding to our surge by modifying their behavior. If you were around during that part of the summer, um, I think you would have found that the roads were significantly emptier. People were less likely to be out shopping and socializing. Um, and um, some of those things have returned to normal, but we have stuck with the mask mandate. And I think that has made a significant difference in uh, transmission in our community. Yeah, so just to follow up on the masks, I mean, it, it's, it's really stunning how the more we learn about masks, the more we learn that they're one of our most important non-medical weapons against this thing. And what advice do you have, Dan, on the choice of masks? 
I know there's been some controversies around types of fabric and gaiters versus other kinds of masks. And do you have any, there's so many on the market now. Um, what do you look for? What would you recommend in a non-medical context for a good mask? Yeah, well, um, I think having multiple layers of cloth is pretty important. Um, I think there's been a lot of press in the news about uh, gators and gators being bad. And there, there may be some truth to that, but part of that is I think the, the kind of thing pe people are typically using as a gator is just sort of a thin sheet of fabric and having multiple layers of fabric um, or multiple layers of fabric with a actual filter in between them is probably the best way to go. Um, certainly, it's preferable to have something that's washable if you're not using disposable surgical masks um, so that you're not just uh, putting a, a potentially contaminated mask on your face day after day after day. Um, you know, I've heard the comparison to underwear. You wouldn't want to wear the same pair of underwear for a month in a row. Um, we certainly don't want people wearing masks um, a month in a row without washing them. And ideally, this would be something that you'd get washed every day. I know that's probably less practical for college students. But if you have multiple masks, then you could wear one a day and then wash them all at once. Mm -hmm. And... It, it just makes so much sense to think in terms of thread count, the tightness of the fabric, the layers of the fabric. Um, and, and the uh, fit is obviously important as well. If you have huge gaps in the mask, you're going to find that most of the air is coming in around the mask rather than through the mask. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, there are a number of questions that, that come in that I'm going to put into a similar bucket and let each of you respond to, which have to do with how can we help? How can we be a positive influence um, through activities or partnerships that you see happening in the community? There's a question about um, maybe to Dan, are there any clinical trials running locally that our students could, could consider participating in? Or just in terms of community-based activities, what do you see as, as ways to, to be a positive influence on, on, um, on our city and our county and our community? Yeah, we, we have had clinical trials here. We don't currently have one open. I'm going to share my screen one more time to show you a graphic that I saw from uh, the state health department. And this looks basically at the number of symptomatic contacts um, that cases had. Um, and it's age uh, this way, and then it's age uh, of the contact group this way. And what you see is for folks that are about the age of probably average Goshen College students, um, you are the best positioned folks in our society to spread this virus. Um, because the average 85-year-old who gets this actually doesn't have a lot of social contacts and isn't going to spread it to as many people. But because you have siblings maybe in high school, you have lots of friends in college, you have your parents and many of you have grandparents that are living, you are ideally positioned to um, have uh, lots of contacts and spread the virus. So more than anything else for a college student, I would say physical distancing and wearing a mask when you're indoors so that even if you're not the person who gets sick enough to wind up in the hospital, you don't wind up spreading the virus to your professors to your classmates, to your siblings, to your parents and grandparents. 
um, that kind of restraint and in fact, narrowing your bubble is the most critical thing you can do to help our society at this time. Thanks. Rose, what would you add? Yeah, definitely doing our part and making, making sure that we truly understand how we can make a difference by doing our part is really important. The other thing that I would add is just to, to try to engage people who see differently in conversation rather than in judgment, just to try to understand the perspective of the other side and why some people believe differently because it seems like as we build bridges, then we're able to, to communicate better and maybe influence others. Um, a couple questions coming in about masks that I'm just going to answer because I know which masks Goshen College has given out. So the Goshen College masks are washable. I go home, go inside the door, rub it out with soap and water and hang it on a little hook and it's ready to go the next day. So any mask that you've received from Goshen College is, is washable. Um, and so that's that question. Um, and just really quickly, um, in terms of community service, are there, are there things that you're aware of going on in the community that, that you feel are really important for uh, community support in this time that you would draw attention to, to our Goshen College community? Well, I would say that you are going to find that when vaccine is available, that each and every Goshen College nursing student will be uh, given an opportunity to vaccinate uh, folks in our community. That's going to be a huge need. Obviously, that's not going to apply to 100% of students, but you certainly have a lot of nursing students. Yep. We look forward to that day. That'll be exciting. The only I would add is that the Center for Healing and Hope is often looking for volunteers. I'm not quite sure um, mm -hmm. what their need is right now, but they've often had need um, there. That is a way of helping also. What about blood donations during that time, during this time? Are any of you aware of, of um, how the blood supply is doing? I think in general, the blood supply has been relatively uh, unstable, um, interrupted by uh, the pandemic and uh, for folks that are healthy and able to donate blood, I think that is a, a valuable, important thing to do. Obviously, if you've been infected, um, convalescent plasma donation is also an option. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, and one more question on masks and where to get them. So each student has received two masks from Goshen. Can we buy more of the same type? So there are, there are there are masks available in our bookstore. They're not exactly the same type that we handed out, but they're a really high quality mask that would fit um, the criteria that we've been talking about. So those are available in the, um, in the bookstore right here on our campus if you, if you need more. Um, we are gonna wrap up, we're at 10.30. I wanna thank, um, thank everyone involved. It's so good to see your faces, Dan and Rose, and thank you for just being here to support our community and, and to stay connected in safe ways to Goshen College. And I'll let Katya say the final words here. Yeah, thank you so much, President Becky. Um, thank you, Rose, and thank you, Dan, so much for uh, joining us in this
convocation. Um, thank you to the student media department and um, everyone involved that made this uh, Zoom video call possible. And we thank you for all of your um, wise input and um, health practices. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Have a safe day.